Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again tonight. Well, at any time that you're listening to, I'm glad you're joining us. This week, Monday evening in New York City, I aired an interview I had done with a gentleman named Michael Gelb. For those of you who received the newsletter would know this, and maybe you even tuned in. Michael Gelb is a world-renowned author and teacher and consultant who speaks to various groups, among them uh, top-level corporations, about the role of genius in ourselves and our society and how each one of us has some mark of genius somewhere lurking inside. And when we activate it, when we learn how to access it, all sorts of wonderful miracles occur. Our lives are enriched. We feel more connected. We're a whole lot more creative and oftentimes more productive. So the Leonardo da Vinci effect, for instance, is something that Michael has written about this whole idea that each of us really embodies this kind of intelligence, but it sits usually dormant. So his job is to get us going. So I decided to call today's show, radio show, Applying Genius, specifically to create a better world. Well, you ask, how do we go about that? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are many ways. There are many ways. First is to acknowledge that Genius, which of course comes from the word basis, etymology of genesis, the beginning, that we are able to generate, we are able to self-generate, is literally what it means, even though we have connotations to the word genius, meaning of far above average intelligence. Well, if you study our brain system, our nervous system, our tri-brain system, triune brain, which I actually think is more. We should be including the heart, which would make it uh, something like quaternune, something of that sort. Um, You'll see that we have the hardware for an extraordinary kind of intelligence. And the intelligence shows up in many ways. It's intellectual. That's the way we usually think of intelligence. But it's also something I talk a lot about on this show, emotional in nature. We also have a kinesthetic intelligence. You know those people whose hands are remarkable. They can make things, but they can't really discuss things. But their hands do things that are Nothing short of genius, of utter brilliance. Or they can dance or move in a way that's completely lyrical, like uh, a, a wave or a waterfall. There's something so inherently beautiful and natural and graceful. So why is it that one person is that way? And another person is a little bit bungling and awkward and doesn't seem like they really own or inhabit even their body. So we all know those. And 
no doubt we've all even felt that way at one time or another, you know. Around adolescence is a perfect time for us to be feeling like, uh, my God, is this my body or someone else's? You know, things are growing and popping and et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of fun to think about and consider. You could call it these different types of intelligence. Well, I also asked the question, what are the constituents of our perception? Why is it that we see what we do, feel what we do, and it's distinguished from what others do? Surely there's a lot in common. But as a result of our perception, we come up ultimately with an interpretation, an interpretation ultimately of reality and what's good, what's true, what's beautiful, as Ken Wilber would say, um, of what's meaningful, what's not. Some people will be glued to the radio listening to the New York Yankees. And that will go on for an entire season. That is what gives them meaning. My father, for instance, has got a little of that New York Yankees, you know, Brooklyn kind of enculturation. It's kind of funny. And it's very endearing. I, on the other hand, I've been touched by that. I appreciate that. After all, my uncle, my dear Uncle Harvey, played for um, a season with the Philadelphia Phillies. And he got me my first baseball uniform, which, of course, was a Yankees uniform. And uh, that was when I was about six years old and started throwing pitches to me. And I started batting and throwing when I was about five or six years old in Forest Hills, Queens, New York, the Big Apple. You know, so I appreciate baseball and I played it for my entire teenage life. Um, Little League and Babe Ruth League and the rest. So, and I loved it and I still love it. But does it give me meaning in the same way as it does say to my father or to those many Yankees fans or Mets fans for that matter or any any team that one happens to feel an affinity with. For me, that has very limited, curtailed, and relative meaning. It's not major. But I understand that people form their neuronal network in certain ways based on certain influences that have them think that certain things are of great importance and other things are not. For me, I have cottoned to this idea of creating a better world. Somehow, my own upbringing, my own original DNA, perhaps my past life, has brought me to a place of truly, deeply resonating with the idea that it is my job, along with many others, to create this idea of a better human and a better world, <clears throat> and one being the result of the other. And how that would be conceived is actually uh, multifold. It's not some kind of univocal, broader, you could 
say more Catholic than that. But nonetheless, it does have certain characteristics, certain principles and certain virtues at play. No question about it. Integrity, trustworthiness, dignity, love, compassion, understanding, deep listening, all are part of my version of a better world. There are more attributes, fun, play, caring, balance, equity, justice, kindness, playfulness, love of nature, planet, and Mother Earth, Gaia, Pachamama. These all come together. Appreciation of brothers and sisters, giving space, patience, openness, creativity, productivity, movement, biomimicry. These are all constituent parts, elements of what I feel could truly create a better world. Now, it's very funny to have this conversation in the midst of a world, a human culture, that is so at odds with each other in different ways. Some of that is media produced. A lot of it is government produced. Less of it is actually just people on the ground produced, curiously. We, the people of every nation, tend to get along just fine. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter the religion. It doesn't matter the ideology. It doesn't matter the form of economic or political systems. Just doesn't matter. (laughs) That stuff is really secondary and tertiary to our cooperating, by the way, that's another of the virtues, cooperating and getting on together. We get on in our personal lives, in our cultural, artistic lives, in our economic lives. We trade, we we market, we sell each other things, we buy from each other. It just goes on and on. And these other differences that are made so much of by governments and then by media, just isn't what occupies most people. But when there's injustice, when there's inequity, oh boy, that's when the sirens sound. We just don't like it. For most people, I dare say, it creates a tension inside them, an inequity creates a conflict inside, an anger, an upset, um, an indignation. Why? 
That's the body, mind, and spirit's intelligence seeking to right or wrong, to bring things back into harmony, into balance. You could even say into homeostasis if you want to think about the species as one large body. So you're with me. I want to uh, also just take a moment to say thank you all, or as we say in the South, y'all, for uh, tuning in to a better world and paying attention to some of the tenets, the principles, the values, priorities of a better world and what this radio show is, TV show is, and what this community-building organization is all about. And we know we have people from United Kingdom, from France, from Italy, from Germany, from all over Europe, from Australia, Ausiland, and from South America, even some from Africa, no doubt Israel. It's really a pleasure to see the places people come from that are tuning in, male and female, tall and short, you name it. And uh, I'm just so curious about what each of you would like to hear covered here on A Better World. Because, as you know, I cover the gamut. I talk about environment. I talk about climate change. I talk about progressive politics and economics. If you look over uh, the various podcasts, the radio shows that I have done over the past many years, you will see tremendous variation, healing of all sorts, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, homeopathy, um, hands-on healing, spiritual healing, nutrition. All of these are part and parcel of a way of understanding and comprehending what humans need and desire to create personal health, which leans to naturally planetary health. And this transcends any religion, it transcends any gender, and it just hits home to what we all as humans really yearn for, health, healing, connectedness, love, caring, and meaning. These are all parts. We all have this deep wish for a world that works. And even though we may have unconscious sabotage programs of one sort or another, we can really get on top of that. After all, we know that mind is stronger than what we call matter, and that matter is hardly any matter at all. Matter of fact, it just is mainly empty appearing space. Just like dark matter occupies some 95% of the known universe. Well, isn't that curious? 95%. So that means everything that we see and don't see that is inside our interdimensional realm is perceived. But isn't it an odd idea that 95% of what is real is completely unknown to us 
and that 5% that is available, maybe one or half a percent of that is actually known by any one human being. It's just too vast and outside the range of our perception. And when you dig down deeper, you see more and more space. We know that the proton acts as a particle, but it also acts as a wave. Isn't that interesting? So that means what we call a particle is more accurately referred to as a wavicle. And depending on our glance, our actual presence, that wavicle will act more like a particle or more like a wave. Ho, ho. Now you tell me that God is not a comedian, then I don't know what side is up. No, it's just hilarious because we live so deeply identified with this idea of a material world and a material existence, yet through material analysis by astronomers, by mathematicians, etc., molecular biologists, we see that there's very little to see. <laughs> Actually, there's very, very little at all. <clears throat> and yet, we are fastened to what we refer to as material, even though we know its true nature is virtually empty, non-formal. Go figure. Anyway, it just contemplating what I'm saying, my friends, is a way of shifting your consciousness and literally even transforming it and expanding your mind for sure and expanding those neural networks. In fact, I like to say, since I was talking about genius before, that we are becoming more intelligent when we titillate and tickle our own neurons in such fashion. So let's deconstruct this a little bit. You are hearing my words. You're hearing my selection of words themselves and the pictures they paint and the sequence of those words because in English we have linearity. We have syntax in our language. And there are languages that do not have that. Chinese for one. Japanese for another, and Korean for yet another. They can surely string ideas together and form sentences, but it's through the ideogram, which is an image, of course. It's an idea image, you could say. Idio, as in ideology and idetic, and idio as in idea, root. Okay? So, we're always painting pictures in our mind. Our mind understands what it does through pictures and through sounds, i.e. language in this case, or music. But here I'm talking about the use of words, discrete codes, if you will, of information that jettison across the landscape of our neural network and gives us a sense of knowing, of identifying and then knowing. 
And sometimes that knowing can lead, by the way, to disagreeing. But it's a way of knowing. We've identified through sound, also, therefore, through uh, syncopation, through percussion, through rhythm is what I'm going for. Through rhythm and through the movement of the line as in a melody, sometimes even a harmony, but certainly a rhythm and a melody. So as you're listening, and I'm telling you about the ideas that we have through physics and quantum physics, we see that our relationship to the outer world and the inner world is completely conditioned by the way we think about it and our presence in it. If we want to modify that, we will get a different world. We will get a different perception of the universe. Now, why is this relevant? Well, it's relevant because it means that we actually have some leverage over the whole shebang. You know that Chinese word, shebang. And having leverage over the shebang suggests that we have leverage over what we think, suggests that we have leverage over what we feel, and it suggests that we have leverage over even the functioning of our own body. Well, that's really interesting. Studies have been done in neuropsychology and neuroscience that really demonstrates how true these statements are. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But you can go back to prior shows, and you can hear me talk about that. And you can hear my interviews with people like Joe Dispenza or Stan Tatkin or Mario Martinez. And uh, tune in to some of the brilliance uh, that shows up in neuropsychology and neuroscience. But I want to come back around to a question, which is, number one, what does really interest this audience? And I'd really like to know, and I'd really like to ask you without further ado, to let me know what subjects of the array that interests you. I'm going to still air and broadcast and talk about the things that I feel are important, but I'm also very tuned into and caring about what you feel and what you feel is important and what you would maybe like to hear me expand upon or have more guests on uh, on a given subject. So I'll invite you to speak with me primarily at e through email mjr at a better world dot net mjr at a better world dot net you can always go to our facebook page as well uh mitchell j raven or a better world media i think it is but i'm not that hip and progressive enough to actually use those social media sites for communicating, but rather for posting the various shows, events that A Better World sponsors or hosts 
or my talks or the like, you know. So if you contact me by email and let me know, again, at mjr at abetterworld.net, that would be most helpful. Now, I want to just say, I want to pose something else. On one hand, the world itself is in major flux. That means both uh, on the human society, cultural level, through our governments, through our economics, through other cultural aspects of our daily lives, as a human species, gathered, some people very, very well off, others not well off at all, a whole bunch in the middle, blah, blah, blah. Or we're not that well off these days as a collective climatically, meaning we know that through science, very definite things are happening. Through our intuition, definite things are happening. Sea levels are rising. Methane is getting released. The carbon dioxide is in excess to the ability of our forests and oceans to absorb. So we're living in a state of imbalance. As Philip Glass put it many years ago in this very interesting film that is got as the soundtrack, his music, Kayanasquatsi, which is a Native American term for life out of balance. God, it's an older movie, but it's really impactful. So I would certainly send you in that direction. But it's very clear that our environment is polluted. Our air, our water, our soil, and what we're putting in our bodies from this contaminated soil and water is kind of stacking up and our liver has more work than ever to do. Ay ay ay. It's a lot. So uh can we ignore it? Can we live a life in our own little silo, our own little bubble while the world is getting further and further polluted when the uh carbon dioxide levels are are increasing because we have uh, so-called leaders, I don't like to call them leaders, but people in positions of political clout that are kind of uh, gerrymandering the rules and the laws and fixing them and rigging them in different ways to be of easy benefit to corporations at the collective expense of us all including them, by the way, that's so curious, their children drink everyone's water and eat everyone's food. They're not exempt. So as Papa Bear gets mega rich, he's doing a disservice, not just to all of us, the hoi polloi, but also to his own children and children's children. So it does not make This is where the principle, spiritual principle, of a unified self, a unified universal self called humanity, 
that we are all truly one, we are like cells in one body, comes to play. So when he seeks to aggrandize himself, everyone suffers, including himself. From that point of view, there's no such thing as stealing from someone else. It's really out of our collective pocket. Sounds funny. But the deeper you go into this, the more you see. Now, I want to mention someone who I will have on the show uh, in the upcoming uh, couple of months, a lovely gentleman named Andrew Vidic, V-I-D-I-C-H, who is a scholar and an author and a teacher. And uh, he wrote a book on the various spiritual traditions and religions that talk about and highlight, light, highlight sound and light, the inner mystical experiences that transcend the outer husk of religion or of dogma or beliefs for that matter, that there is an inner light in us all like that intelligence idea, you know, um, that's just waiting to be seen and waiting to shine. And we've all known people who we feel we see that light in their eyes. We feel that light issuing from their hearts. And it changes everything in a flash. No pun intended. In a flash, it's beyond words. It's a deep, nonverbal experience that we have of each other. It's when you look into someone's eyes, there's this light that is there. They say it's the light from the soul. And it goes beyond the boundaries and the judgments and the polarities and the moralities of ordinary life on earth. It's something so deep, and it's so unifying, and it's so loving, and so kind, and so warm. And we have the experience of being so connected in a meaningful way. In fact, these words, in light of light, seem almost silly, redundant and only a fraction of what is really possible or of what is really happening. Just like what they say about near-death experiences or death experiences and people coming back um, into the body. The stories are so parallel one after the other that there's this extraordinary light, there's this extraordinary experience of love, kindness, of merging, of unity, and people's lives, when they come back, those people who do, are utterly transformed for life. It's an experience they never forget. It's though we, as though we forgot this, and by design, when we come into the womb and out of the womb, but when we then go through the other side the other dimension in our departure from the body 
it's like, oh, yes, oh, that's where we were. But this is where our home is. We were visitors in the material world. We were visitors in a body. And it was fantastic until the body got ill. You know, it was fantastic having a body and being animate. And oh, my. Wow. Being formless was very cool, too. So from that formless space, they come back start to talk and walk and get animated again, but it's understood in perspective. There's a different, much larger, richer, deeper context to their life now in a body because they realize that the body is just a vehicle for life for a period of time. Life goes on, body or not. Sorry, body. The body does its thing. It's wonderful. All by design. It degrades from its form into its constituent elemental parts and becomes part of earth again. Ashes to ashes, earth to earth. It goes back into the earth. Nitrogen, hydrogen, carbon, and it recycles for other uses, fertilizer, you name it. Very interesting. The question I wanted to pose to y'all, I'll get to in a moment. First, I want to just say, you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. I am very glad you're joining us again today. And if you don't get our newsletter, please go to www.abetterworld.com. TV. Sign up for it. It's free. We'd love to hear from you. And to hear from you, I give you my direct email address, which is mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net. mjr at abetterworld.net. And please make suggestions or share your thoughts about what types of shows you find most meaningful and I will really receive and process that information okay also please know we're a 501c3 we're a non-profit organization and your donations your contributions your investments in creating a better world will pay off and it keeps us on the air and it keeps us vital so uh, please thank you for that. Either PayPal you could use, and please hit the, the family and friends button uh, at that. So uh, because it's nonprofit, we qualify for the uh, non-commissioned uh, PayPal use. Okay, And also you should know, and I believe you do, that I am a holistic therapist and coach, communications coach, um, business coach, and I help people. And it's done usually by phone or Skype, and I do biofeedback as well, which is this really rather magical energy balancing system of seeing what's going on as well as in the body, as well as in the subconscious, sending you the chi, the energy to balance it out. It's remarkable. 
I should have a photograph of you and your demographic information, and it happens. We also offer that through the Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We've had people on both of these uh, in Australia, all over Europe, um, all over the United States, Canada, etc., etc. So it's all good. So with that said, I'll continue with the balance of today's show. This is the question I'm posing. On one hand, we have a world in flux, as I was saying before, both culturally, politically, economically, uh, you know, the human-made flux. And then we have, you know, climatic, geological, environmental, ecological flux. And there's always some of that going, too, because it's just the nature of life. It's the nature of reality. Everything is always changing. It can change dramatically or it can change very, very, very slowly. I'm saying, and so many are saying, that because of the way we have contaminated our planet with the excesses of machinery and the like, and the lack of using proper filtration and common sense chemistry, we have pushed us over a series of tipping points um, through our release of methane and carbon dioxide primarily as what is called as are called greenhouse gases and it's shifting heating up the environment because these gases get trapped in our atmosphere and uh, they have a heating effect now it's also true there's a cooling effect that's a whole other kind of conversation and I don't want to get into that right now, but just to say, climate in both directions is in flux. And we're suffering the consequences. The island nations, especially out in the South Pacific, are the ones that are most directly affected by this. We have more climate refugees now than ever before in recorded history, as far as I know, I should say. So, We've got troubles on our hands, dear friends. We have trouble here in River City. Yes, that's from the Music Man, which I saw when I was a kid with Robert Preston on Broadway. And it was indelible in my imagination and my memory. So I trot it out to this day. But on one hand, people feel impassioned about whatever they do. Music, theater, art, politics, money, the environment, going green, health, nutrition, gardening, uh, studying fossils, archaeology, astronomy, any manner of science. Whoa! Psychology, neuroscience, agriculture, building buildings, creating things with the hands, sculpting, need I go on, entomology, you know, the list is long and it is glorious. Um, service, you got the idea. 
So is it reasonable, I ask, and I'm really posing this question to y'all, is it reasonable for people to stay inside of their silos? Let's say someone is practicing sitar 8 to 12 hours a day, so they perfect that art and ignore the nonsense around them of the Trumps of the world and the rest. You know, even the issues of climate change. They just focus on what they do and what brings them joy and brings them meaning and say, the rest will take care of itself. And the people who are in charge will either do a good job or they won't. My life will be either um, increased or curtailed because of lots of reasons. But I'm going to just keep my nose to the grindstone and do what I care about. Voila. Fin. End of story. That's one thing. And I'm asking if you all think that that is a valid way to go about and just say, look, I don't want to be bothered. I know they're dealing with even issues of totalitarianism, of fascism, of all of that, tyranny of one sort or another. I don't want to bother with it. I don't want to hear it. My life and my community's life, my peers are all doing what brings us the greatest joy and the greatest bliss. And that's playing music together, I'm using as an example. And it could be raining, it could be snowing, the heat could be on, hot, high, the sun could be scorching. I've transcended that. I don't care. They will do what they do. They always have. Or, very interesting point of view, by the way. It's like unfettered by the corruption, by the reptilian activity of those who seek power. And I actually am not one of those who believe that anyone who seeks to serve in government politically elected office or otherwise military are doing it for self-aggrandizement. I just don't accept that. I feel that they get trapped in a system, and before you know it, they're making decisions that they'd rather not be part of, or they're having to face spending eight hours a day uh, dialing for dollars just to run again. I mean, which all of which is a pathetic expression of our system. But then, you know, others are standing outside that. They say, you guys take care of that. I'm not going to bother. You're not going to rain on my parade. I've come into this life. I've fallen in love with nature. I'm going to keep walking in nature and taking care of the trees and the plants and the shrubs and the animals, the two-leggeds, the three-leggeds, the four-leggeds. I'm going to do all of it because I want to. And you all will do what you want to. And that's fine. I do not have to have a civil role, a civics role, outside of what I have chosen. 
So I'm asking you, is that a valid interpretation? Or should we all be extremely astute about watching the moves of the people in power because they're trying to gobble up our freedom in one way or another? You know, they're the way they are spending our tax dollars, you know, 60 cents plus of every dollar on a war machine. So, it's interesting. Or, I ask, is there a place for both? I am going to spend 10 hours a day in my silo writing and doing what I do to create a better world, okay? That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to focus on language because I love language, and I'm going to restudy Italian because I love Italian. Yet, I'm going to take an hour or two every day, and I'm going to read the newspaper, I'm going to read the alternative media, and I'm going to get boned up on who's doing what to whom, when, and where. And I'm going to speak out to whatever channels I have about my feelings, about my thoughts, about what's happening in the world at large. And in that way, I will be, I will be doing my civic to the collective beyond my duty as an artist, as a scientist as a humanist to contribute to the world through the enactment of my passions like writing and speaking and communicating and the other things I, I'm just using myself as an example, do gardening planting crops for others as well as myself you know? So, with all that said, I would love if you were to get back to me at your leisure at mjr at abetterworld.net. Do we need to step outside of the silo for long enough to help govern our world and weigh in with our opinion? Then we can go back to our keyboard or to whatever it is that invokes and evokes our passion. So, anyway, I want to just thank you all for tuning in today. We're going to have a bit of a shorter show today. Um, But I want to remind you that my counseling and coaching services and consulting services on a business level, on a personal level, communications are available. Uh, My... uh, Letter writing as well for people who need to communicate in ways that they don't feel comfortable in. They don't have uh, access to the language they need, to the inner voice. That's another service that you will see listed at www.mitchellrabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B as in boy, IN.com and of course visit us at www.abetterworld.tv If you are interested in any of our products or services, remember we sell our DVDs of the TV uh, interviews 
on our Amazon site, which you can reach by going to store at abetterworld.tv. I am also looking for interns, so if anyone is available locally here in the Big Apple or beyond having to do with social media, especially some video editing, some SEO work and the like, affiliate programs, etc., please contact mjr at abetterworld.net. Thanks again for joining, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.